This is Fractal Marketing, the podcast for innovative entrepreneurs taking their product to market. Each show, we take an outside look at one company's marketing and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, over to your host, Jared Doyle. So this episode, I'm proud to announce we have Jason Lee, who is joining us. I've worked with Jason. Well, we kind of worked a little bit together at a co-working space about, what, two years ago. We we're trying to work it out. So that's a long time ago in digital land. But Jason is now the managing director of his own agency, which I'll let him introduce towards the end of the podcast. And today, Jason has picked the brand JB Hi-Fi, which we're going to be pulling apart and commenting on. So Jason, welcome to the episode. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So JB Hi-Fi, you know, normally the last couple of products we've looked at or companies have been very digitally focused. JB Hi-Fi, the darling of, I guess, electronic consumer goods retail at the moment. You know, if you look at this from a digital point of view, what's the thing that jumps out at you about JB Hi-Fi that they're doing well at the moment? Yeah, sure. I think this is such an interesting business because when you look at it, Traditionally, it's obviously like a retail, it's a physical store, right? But it's been able to survive throughout this digital age. So the thing that really stands out to me is that they've been able to adapt, you know, digital strategies to kind of survive in this landscape. And when I look at it, I think they're really, really, you know, focusing the strategy on like a lot of promotional stuff. Like the way I look at it is they're getting a lot of people in through like tripwire offers. So kind Mm -hmm. of getting people to purchase through low ticket things and then once they either pick it up or get it delivered they're upsold with other items that kind of maximize that loss leader kind of stuff yeah exactly yeah yeah so because i mean when i look at jb hi-fi there's kind of three different options right you can either buy in store you can click and collect which means you know you purchase online but you actually go in store or the other option is you get it delivered so really the big difference I see between, you know, a simple physical retailer and JB Hi-Fi is that they're kind of tailoring it around the user experience, right? Giving the customers the option to do what they want. If they want to just buy and store, they can. If they want to just get it delivered, you know, that's fine. But the other option is click and collect, which is where they've already purchased something online, but they come in store where they have to pick it up. And then they get upsold all these different items because like, you know, when you're at the checkout, there's like, you know, phone charges and all these different things. And I think what they're doing is really, really um, smart in the sense that, yeah, like you mentioned, it's lost leaders. It's trying to get them in the door and then upsell them with whatever whatever products they have. Do you think they want people to come because it strikes me that if that's the model and and i know like walking through jb hi-fi like it, it's hard like the checkout's always at the back end of the store right it's classic yeah. you've got to walk past everything games batteries headphones usb sticks right up yeah. to the end and then like little game cards it strikes me with their digital they'd still prefer people to come in store than get it delivered mm. and i can see why that gives me upsell that's like the ikea thing we don't want to deliver it we want you to come in store do you think though that strategy is going to continue to work because I'm, I'm dubious about mm. that. I think there's a point where people are going to go, I don't want to get up and walk into a shopping centre. I kind of actually just want to get yeah. it delivered. I think that's a really good point because, I mean, when you look at it these days, you've got like Amazons and, you know, these these massive, massive brands that are literally just, you know, one-day delivery kind of things. But I think from like the business standpoint, it's probably not as profitable just because you obviously have to pay for delivery and shipping costs and stuff like that. So 
in terms of profitability, I feel like short term they'd like people to come in store. Just, you know, they probably make more on their bottom line. In terms of like long term, whether that's going to be something that continues 10, 20 years down the track. To be honest, I'm kind of in the middle because with a lot of this tech stuff, you don't really understand like how good something is before you kind of feel it, touch it kind of thing. And I think the the point of JB Hi-Fi is if you've got a lot of tech experts that kind of explain a lot of this stuff. So for low ticket items, like phone cases, charges, whatever, I feel like that's definitely going to be increasing in like the get it delivered kind of space. But, you know, high ticket items, laptops, TVs, really anything that requires some sort of, you know, a, a longer like, you know, sales cycle to kind of think about it. I think that's where JB Hi-Fi can really, really stay relevant. You know, the expertise of buying the tech rather than, yeah. They've got a risk though, and this is the classic retailer problem. So their products mm. are standard, which means, yeah, I can go in. And I did. I went into JP Hi-Fi and I looked at Nintendo Wii's and mm. not Wii's. Oh, well, we got, we got a Switch. That's switch, right. Switch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and Santa was going to bring the Switch and we did our investigation. We spoke to them and then my wife and I went away, walked around the shopping center a bit more, thought about it. And then ultimately, I think I bought it somewhere else. And so I did use them for their expertise. But at the end of the day, Nintendo Switch is a Nintendo Switch is a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And so for me, I just looked and went, well, this one over here comes with a free Mario Kart credit. So of course I'm going to buy it there. It mm. makes no difference. Yeah. And so there is a risk that if you can't close the sale in store, then someone else is going to be able to offer it cheaper. And so do JB Hi-Fi then become the service provider to all these stores? Sure. I think- the one difference is actually around the Microsoft Surface range. So that was my experience with JB Hi-Fi most recently. So Microsoft is shutting down all their Surface stores around the world and keeping like one in a few. So we only had one in Australia in Sydney, which is, sure. you know, it's an awesome experience shop. So JB's taken on that mantle. So if I want to get a Surface experience, I need to go in there. But again, at the same time, I'm talking to you now on a Surface laptop. And I purchased it direct from Microsoft. In the end, it was easier yeah, to do that. It got sure, registered. Sure. So I'm really wrestling with it. And I'm just sort of going, oh, I just maybe I'm overly digital. Maybe I'm overly online. But it does feel like they're offering a service that ultimately, yeah. you know, the product vendors will, the manufacturers will benefit from in the longer term more than they will. I think it's definitely a double-edged sword, right? Because like you mentioned, it could be a case of one, they're just providing a service so then you can go and buy it online for somewhere cheaper like you go in you check out the tech it's good you go away you buy it for cheaper right that's the problem with like you know how do you actually anchor someone to your business and brand it's you know that's the problem with marketing like a commodity or something that everyone else offers the other aspect of it is it can kind of like help them in a way like you know you've got a new like microsoft releases some new surface pro or you know they I don't know, Xbox releases a brand new game. I feel like there is a tiny bit of like promotional stuff that goes on so then people actually flock to JB stores to check that out. So it is a double-edged sword, right? It There's also revenue them. in that, right? Yeah. So I, I, would, I don't know, but I would be... St- I'm super confident that Microsoft is paying JB Hi-Fi over yeah. and above the stock to be there. And yeah. and that would make sense, right? You just go, well, mm-hmm. look, you've got the footprint. So I know that brands will approach JB Hi-Fi and it's not always about 
you know, you approach their marketing department, you can buy space in their catalog. You can buy yeah. store exposure. So, you know, it might be that they're the last standing electronic consumer retail brand and their margins, you know, it's kind of the book, you know, match any price or beat it guarantee because actually all their money comes from the manufacturer. So they just become that support. You yeah. can imagine, I can imagine a world where their margins are exactly the same. Their prices are the same as every other online retail and you can pivot the whole business. Mm. And here we are supposed to be talking about marketing. We're talking about business strategies, but I think it's attached because yeah. if I'm, if I'm an electronics manufacturer, if I've got a product, I want to get it out there. Well, maybe what I'm doing is I'm not chatting to JB Hi-Fi and saying, oh, you can have 20% or 50% margin. Maybe I've got to approach them and say, yeah, you can have the margin, but also here's $50,000 to run it all in store. Like maybe it's a marketing exercise above and beyond just a margin play. Sure. So it's like they're not actually making money from the, the sales. It's more just selling advertising space kind of thing. Yeah. And experience and those staff who can actually tell you which Nintendo Switch you need to buy for your kids. Well, Nintendo can pay them some money to do that. So mm. I, I don't, I'm certain they are making some of that money. How much of it they are versus the retail, I'm not sure. But look, you know, I want to just jump back into the digital side of it because we can link the two things together. The reality is they've got a lot of traffic, both digitally and foot traffic. <laughs> and I was looking at their SEO and I was like, well, a quick look, 3.3 million backlinks from almost 10,000 domains. <laughs> uh, what I come up, there's almost 6 million visitors a month. I'm like, Okay, yeah. that's a good as a digital person. If you get if I got handed that from an SEO point of view, that's a really good place to start from. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, that's I mean, a ballpark six million dollars, six million visitors has got to be worth about six million dollars. That's mm. not about I mean, get, they're a big company, right? But that's a good place to go. If you were going to take that on, if you're going to look at that from an SEO point of view, you know, what do you do with a brand like that? Do you tackle a brand like that? Or, or, or let's look another way. How do you compete with that? If you're a, if you're trying to sell, you know, electronics and you're trying to compete with JB Hi-Fi, how do you compete with sort of $6 million worth of traffic and you know, near on 5 million visitors a month coming from Google? Yeah. That's nuts. I think that's such a hard one. Like, how do you compete with someone as big as JB Hi-Fi? I think that the thing that I love about JB is that they're running like an, you know, they're doing digitally so well. You know, if you look at their, like their Google SEO, stuff like that, they're, they're through the roof. You look at their Facebook, they're retargeting people based off of specific products. So if you go to the page, you click on a laptop, a Surface Pro, you'll get served a Surface Pro ad on Facebook and it'll follow you around to kind of keep them top of mind. So I think in terms of personalization, in terms of relevancy, they're doing amazing at that. In terms of how you would probably compete with something like that, I think, you know, if I was like, you know, JB Hi-Fi number two and I was trying to compete, you know, with yep. you know, the a tenth of the budget kind of thing, I think you can really need to kind of look at what the user really wants, right? I, I don't think that, like, this is just my point of view. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure many people in e-com purchase something through, like, organic SEO. I don't know if you look up a laptop online and then stumble across the Surface Pro and say, okay, this is, you know, I found this on Google. It was in the top three listings of the search engine. This must be reliable. I'm going to buy it. I think it's more Facebook targeting, Google shopping kind of thing is, like, how you kind of get top of mind of these people. Um, and I think, yeah, just being really, really specific. So, you know, the problem that I see though in online retail is that like we just discussed uh, a few minutes ago, how do you anchor someone to your business and brand if you're selling kind of the same thing, right? And the problem I see with JB is like the discounting and that's probably with every online retailer, right? You need to discount just because that's just the way it is these days, but where does it stop? 
if you know if you can buy something from wish.com for like you know a 20th of the price and it's basically selling the same thing how low do you go so in terms of how i would compete it's probably like value adding trying not to go like you know with price you know 50 60 percent off it's rather you know you you purchase this you get an additional you know credits on on microsoft or something like that I, i'm not sure yeah I, look i agree i think i often look at these things and say if you compete on price eventually you're going to lose someone's always going to be willing to do go cheaper do mm. it for less margin or even lose on everything that's done and we know that amazon's got more money more distribution more contacts and australia has an experience we haven't really seen amazon hit yet like it's not like it is in the uk and the us and it gets to a stage where you sign up to amazon prime and you just pay for the free shipping because they just push so much stuff. It's all just included in that price. At that point, I do wonder whether JB Hi-Fi goes from darling to like the last man standing and it just falls the hardest. You know, some of the mm. others, I think about Harvey Norman, it feels like it's being beaten up. It's being beaten up early, you know, so JB Hi-Fi is pulling it apart. A lot of other retails being pulled apart. I feel like JB Hi-Fi is probably going to be the last one that goes and it's getting that boost. It's doing well, but it's doing well against the others in a, in a shrinking market. Then I think it eventually yeah. it'll fall. It'll fall hard. Now they could pivot and they could prove that wrong but you know to the point we we're saying before it's a lot of seo traffic they're in a good place you know their tiering of their retargeting and their messaging is going to have to be absolutely on point now that's that's where they're going to make their money it's going to be the retargeting the audiences the propensity to purchase all those funnels that they would be creating that's going to be the real value of their business sure so you know i think it's going to be interesting i also the other thing that struck me about jb hi-fi looking at them was they haven't partnered at least i couldn't see that they partnered with afterpay or zip pay and they've got their own little solutions but it's just really interesting because with every retailer that i'm chatting to especially e-com retailer zip pay after pay is a decent especially in this market mm. it's a decent chunk of the uh of the sales going through like it would not surprise me if zip pay was on jb hi-fi that 20 25 of their sales would be going through Afterpay. now obviously yeah. paying out eight percent margins or whatever they might need to do to those yeah, guys probably they don't have it in their business yeah. do, do you think have they got themselves into a pricing situation where they can't afford to go after the new buzz thing which is zip pay and after pay or do you think they're doing it strategically to not leak data and margin to somebody else i would assume it'd be the latter just because i mean i'm sure the guys at jb hi-fi are extremely intelligent and i feel like if almost every other retailer is hopping on board they probably realize something that you know there's like a bit of a flaw in going down that route i feel the margins probably aren't that massive for a business like this. So you'd really need to maximize every single sale and just get cash flow through the door kind of thing. Yeah, I do feel like going down the afterpay route, yeah, you would honestly see a massive uptick. Your your online sales would probably dramatically increase, right? We're talking about offers and irresistible offers online. A really good quote I, I, I read the other day was like, you know, most of the time, anything online, if it isn't working, it's probably most likely the offer. So you you... You know, offer an ir- something so irresistible that they can't turn it down. If you offered Afterpay on JB Hi-Fi products or ZipPay or something like that for you know thousand dollar, two thousand dollar laptops, your sales would probably go through the roof. However, in terms of your bottom line, I don't know how much you know how beneficial that would actually be. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they're running with 8% margins on most or 6% or 5% or a lot of the stuff. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be difficult. I think they, um, like a lot of businesses, they need you to buy those batteries and USB sticks on the way out where they do make four or 500% <laughs> kind yeah. of thing on those sales. So, yeah, that kind of makes a bit more sense. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, you know, for me, you know, linking the offline and online stores as well, like, I think anyone who walks into JB Hi-Fi, the thing that strikes them the most is the ridiculous amateur nature of the signs, right? Like, mm. You know, so the, the hand-drawn yeah. signs everywhere that makes it feel like they've got no money. It makes it feel like <laughs> we're so cheap we couldn't afford to put real signs up when we know that, well, sorry, most people recognize they actually do have enough margin. So it's that idea of looking cheap to help produce the idea that everything's stacked in, you're going to get a bargain. How, thinking about that digitally, like it's difficult to translate chaos online because it's not quite the same thing, right? You walk into a JB Hi-Fi, they've done the they they wrap the whole front window in yellow and black, the signs are up everywhere. It is chaos. You can't well, at least I don't think you can do that with a digital website. Do you I mean, do you think it's possible? Do you think they've even tried to replicate that? Or do you think when it comes to digital, they're maybe losing one of their main USPs? Yeah, I do think that they are trying to kind of mimic that strategy online. And I think it's Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's something to do with like the psychology of colors. I I believe I read something like the color red mixed with like the color yellow actually makes people like more like something that's cheap and like like more willing to buy or something. It's probably applying those colors. I know for a fact that if I see a JB Hi-Fi ad with the yellow and red, it definitely stands out online. If we're talking about thumb stopping content, you're probably going to notice the red and yellow, right? So, whereas if it's a clean and elegant look, you know, white, black, a lot of white space, it definitely looks a lot more visually appealing. The only problem mm-hmm. is you probably don't realize it's JB Hi-Fi. So, I do think that they're doing it on purpose. Whether or not it's as effective as like the offline channels, I probably don't think so. I, I do agree with your point, you know, online, there, it is a bit hard to kind of mimic that chaos mimic the the same vibe you have in store so to be honest i think that their strategy is actually beneficial like omni-channel approach i don't think going full digital would be you know 100 percent the right way to go just because that the the omni-channel approach kind of serves two purposes right like one i feel like the offline stores play a purpose in like staying top of mind because a lot of the times I would bet, you know, 90% of the traffic in store is probably just people window shopping and just, you know, looking for gimmicks and just to waste time. But what it does is it keeps you top of mind, right? Kind of just staying staying top of mind, making sure that you're in the heads of these customers so that when the time does come for you to purchase, you're online. And then you're going to click and collect or, you know, getting it delivered, but at least you're in the conversation. Very true. Yeah, so the retailer stores are like a, they're also a form of branding and brand recall and, and maybe even trust, you know. Yeah. It's who's this online store that I've never heard of, whereas I see JB Hi-Fi. I mm. see they've got product. It's like I trust them. So if I'm a if I'm a skeptical, slightly dubious online shopper, I guess I am. And, and I'm not even dubious. I like I do most of my shopping online. Mm. But I'm going to trust that JB Hi-Fi is probably going to deliver the product. Like I'm not worried they're not going to deliver it. Whereas with eBay or something online or yeah. I think you said like you know, wish.com, maybe it won't turn up, right? Yeah, is, is <laughs> it too good to be I'm, true kind of thing? Like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You see wish.com so, selling $100 laptops. You're like, I'm, I'm probably not going to buy it because one, the trust isn't there. They're not legitimate kind of thing. And if you've got a physical store, people are skeptical. You know, they, they realize that that's a big authority signal. 
and we could probably trust these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you've got the brand and you've got the authority and the trust, you're going to get the increase click-through rate. So let's just say mm. you're in an absolute shootout head-to-head with an online retailer like Kogan, right? So Kogan and JB would go head-to-head online with a lot of different things. Now, if I'm the average punter and shopping around, I've never seen a Kogan store. Mm. I have seen a JB Hi-Fi store. If I trust it, if I probably want a bit more, Dollar for dollar, they're both paying a dollar for a click for some Apple headphones. Well, I'm probably going to go towards... In fact, I would. I mean, if the products were exactly the same, I'd probably buy it off JB Hi-Fi because there's just that sense if something went wrong. And also, if something really went wrong, I feel like I could turn up to a store and see a human. (laughs) There's no Kogan store I can walk into. So, yeah, maybe a physical store will be the one thing that allows JB to to have a level of trust the others don't have. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like... Looking at it from a customer's perspective, you really want to minimize the amount of risk that you you have when you purchase anything, right? So, obviously, online, there is a chance that, you know, something's going to stop up with shipping or, you know, product's going to be faulty. But at least going through someone as big as JB Hi-Fi with physical stores with tech experts in store, the level of risk is so tiny because, like you mentioned, if something does happen where you're dissatisfied, you can just go in store and get it switched out. I think there's basically like two different, like depending on what you're trying to achieve, I would say that, you know, keeping the omni-channel approach is probably good for market share, making sure that you're dominating the market. But for example, like Kogan, where you're going for for online, I would argue that it'd probably be better for profit margins. So I guess it's kind of like, what are you trying to achieve? Are you really trying to make just you know, the best profit margins you could possibly get, then I would say online is probably the way to go. But if JB Hi-Fi really just wants to dominate the market, I would say, you know, for many years to come, you would probably keep the same strategy. Maybe the physical stores would serve a different purpose, more like showrooms, like you mentioned, just kind of educating people on what they could buy and stuff like that and maybe anchoring people through value adding. You know, if you buy specifically through JB Hi-Fi, you get loyalty points and then you can do this this and that but yeah yeah. it'll be interesting to see where yeah how it all plays out i think you know thinking about the here and now so i don't think we can deny that jb hi-fi has been the beneficiary of sort of job keeper and benefit during Mm. the benefit payments during and this was i wasn't actually in australia when the baby bonuses came out i was over in the uk but whenever there's been a government stimulus package yeah you know there is always a slight uptick in consumer electronic goods and i think historically Harvey Norman benefited. I think this time JB Hi-Fi has benefited. Mm. I Look, my guess is that they've done really well through this bump, but I feel like the stock market, and this isn't, you know, this isn't stock and financial advice. This is a marketing podcast, but I feel like we've got this spike in the stock market as everyone's seen their sales and gone, great, JB Hi-Fi's got this figured out. I kind of feel like JobKeeper's going to wind back Money's going to get a bit tighter. Jobs sure. are going to be a bit harder. And then I kind of feel like, you know, the, the lagging indicator, the stock market's going to go, hang on, what do you mean you're underreporting, you miss all your sales targets? So I feel like this is the the purple patch and it's about to get super difficult for all retailers. And I think JB Hi-Fi, because it's all discretionary purchasing, right? It mm. really, they don't really sell anything that you absolutely have to have. So, you know, I feel like they're going to struggle. And I think, you know, it might be really interesting and it wouldn't be a surprise to see 
well, I guess, them change a little bit. I think the only thing that's going to work in their favor is the fact that their leases are probably going to get unbelievably cheap in retail stores at the same time. So, you know, maybe we're in a good place, but generally speaking at the moment, have you, with with clients that you work with in retail, I mean, what what are you seeing at the moment? Are you seeing bumps? Are you seeing slight dips? Are you seeing people sort of retailers doing better or worse or e-com or what's your feeling now and then in the next sort of few weeks? Because this will, you know, I think we'll probably publish this early October, so we'll probably be just at the start of the um, of the post, you know, the new reduction in JobKeeper. So let's let's predict where we're going to be when this goes live. What do you think is going to be happening to ecom? Yeah, it's a really interesting point about all of that, right? Like, obviously, I would I would probably speculate that JB Hi-Fi sales have really taken an uptick since the JobKeeper job seeker payments, but I would be pretty confident in saying that if you look at like the the average order value of these purchases, they'd probably be on the lower end. You know, I, I wouldn't assume that most of their purchases would be large TVs and, you know, $20,000 purchases. They'd probably be all, you know, $100, like little speakers, little, like little gimmicks and stuff like that, that people just wouldn't hate purchasing kind of thing. And I think that's across most of our campaigns as well. We do only have a few e-com campaigns, but we do see that with any products that have large average order values. For example, one of our clients sells like luxury headphones, speakers and stuff like that, right? We're finding that they're getting a lot of purchases that are, you know, the, the cheapest speakers, headphones that they have, but the the $20,000, $50,000 TVs and speakers that they sell, nobody's purchasing them because obviously right now, it's not like you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spare, you have a couple thousand dollars to spare because JobKeeper is coming in. I would hope nobody who's on JobSeeker is purchasing a $20,000 television. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I'm seeing is, yeah, obviously, it's a lot of the low-ticket purchases. But in, if if e-com businesses really want to survive throughout this this whole ordeal, you know, with the, like you mentioned, payments are going to be winding back. People probably aren't going to be as willing to spend money they really need to find out a way to to either maintain that spending the lifetime value of the customer or yeah i guess figure out how to how to incentivize those larger purchases because like you mentioned at the moment it it, it seems like a lot of like short term wins rather than long term long term gains so yeah i i think it is very like it depends on who you are and what you're selling if you're in the commodity space selling other products that other people offer I think it's going to be quite difficult for you to really, really um, like stand out and survive unless you're doing something similar to kind of JB where you're staying top of mind, you're having an amazing digital strategy. Whereas, yeah, I guess you got to really paint the picture if you sell, you know, your own brand or products and stuff like that, you know, why people need you. Like how, what's so important about your product that they really need to purchase from you when payments kind of come back and people aren't as able to spend money. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I would pose a question to you. If you were dropped into JB Hi-Fi digital marketing team tomorrow, what would be the first thing you'd want to try to change? Like, What would be the thing you kind of go, this is what I do? Like, you, you know, you dropped in your first meeting, it's nine o'clock in the morning. They go, right, Jason, we've hired you for a million dollars a year because you're the best digital guy going around. What's the first thing that you're going to say that you want to look at and you think that you can improve for JB Hi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> Given that you're getting paid a million dollars a year. Yeah, them, that's such a, a good idea. 
that's such a tough job. I, I, I wouldn't want to be the person who kind of gets dropped into that position. But I, I think looking at it from like an outsider's perspective and just from what we can gather from, you know, looking at their business online and stuff like that, I don't think that the business is extremely... I don't think there's a lot of personality in terms of character, like a, a personal attachment to it. I think it is a big brand, but if you think about it, like what does JB stand for in the in the consumer's mind, it's just like it's a store that sells other products. There's nothing personally attaching someone to that store kind of thing, whereas you look at, I don't know, this is a bad example, but like Apple or something, there's a personal attachment to those specific products, right? You ask someone, oh, would you purchase from Apple or, I don't know, other computer companies, Logitech, you know, all these other things, or probably Apple, because there's just like that massive, massive brand that's built into that. And I think that's a result of being more like um, what you stand for, because I can't for the life of me really understand what JB Hi-Fi is, you know, their mission statement, what, the, why they're doing it or who they who they we are sell stuff cheaper than other people <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly right so it's, it's basically yeah. like a service you're like oh, okay like they just do what every other store does if i can't find something from jb hi-fi that i really want that i went there to look for i'd probably just go to like another tech store in the back end of harvey norman or whatever just to make sure that i can get what i can get but if you can really really anchor someone down and this is kind of this does overcome what we were talking about before like how do you stop someone from purchasing from like wish.com or Microsoft directly, how do you anchor them to the brand specifically? You need to build that. You need to build that loyalty to the customer. And it's whether it's getting influences in or I don't know, having more of a face to the brand, showing, you know, what you stand for. I think that's probably where I'd look at. Yeah. I think yeah, for what it's worth, I think something we cottoned on to earlier on in our chat for me really resonated, which is this idea of potentially being the expert you know mm. they've got good stuff you know and and sort of and try to make more money margin out of offering that advice so mm. saying to nintendo to apple to microsoft to sony to bose and saying hey we'll put it on we'll help people choose the right product but it's all going to cost you money just to have shelf space mm. you know if they could cover the cost of their stores by having people pay them to be in there but mm. with the view the sales staff just had to provide the best advice and you can buy it here if you want to go buy it online that's kind of fine as well like we don't kind of care mm. too much that would be an interesting business model because otherwise we are kind of stuck in like you said you know where do i go to compare two different phones and touch them and hold them at the same time or Mm. particularly laptops i think there is a space left for the last advisor but as you pointed out at the moment that's not going to be jb hi-fi with the way they currently run their mm. brand so you know you might need to build a three-year strategy to pivot into that but it'd be interesting but you know with the traffic the brand the trust and everything they've got they've actually got a chance to do that i feel like i think we both kind of agree if they just keep running as being the cheapest mm. eventually they're going to get crushed <laughs> eventually you know someone's going to come with more money and just do a better job yeah what, what happens if amazon opens up their own physical stores in queensland in brisbane at every single westfield and it, you know shopping shopping center you know there's not a lot of difference right they're going to probably offer the same service even cheaper with amazon prime one day delivery I don't think you can compete with that. So it's really about how do you stand out now because it's probably not a far-fetched idea that Amazon's probably going to come in and try and do the same thing. Yeah, no, I expect that's going to be the same. So so in summary, a lot of social, a lot of sales, benefiting from the uptick, a lot of SEO and paid search, a lot of traffic. They're in a really good place. But 
we're kind of a little bit dubious about the long-term strategy of stack them high and sell them low yeah. in terms of physical retail stores. So we'll see how they go. And we can only but wish that one day we yeah. own an e-commerce site with 6 million visitors. Because there's some <laughs> money, like the, there's some the money to be made there. That's yeah. a marketer's dream. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. Well, Jason, if people want to um, get in contact with you, uh, listen to you more, speak to you more, follow your emails or anything digital like that, where do they hook up with you online? Yeah, cool. I've been trying to put more effort into posting more content. So you can probably just find me on LinkedIn, just Jason Lee. But if you want to look more up on, you know, what Journey Digital is and what we do, you can find us on Journey Digital at jrnydigital.com.au. It's essentially the word journey without any vowels. So if you're kind of confused on that, <laughs> that's basically how we named ourselves. So yeah, you can find us more there. And then yeah, request a, request a, a chat with us and we can yeah go from there. Great. Jason, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes, or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot, and I look forward to speaking with you next week.